This is the politics of everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast. So while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Let's talk about sex. No, this is not an R-rated episode, but my podcast guest today is Asaya McKimmy, and she's one of Australia's most popular experts on intimacy, sex and relationships. Asaya works as a couples therapist, sexologist, sex therapist, and coach, committed to loving relationships, wholehearted sex, and deep intimacy. She has credentials to boot, including a master's degree in relational psychotherapy and a master's degree in the science of medicine specializing in sexual health and psychosexual therapy, among impressive accolade merits, which I won't list today. She has a namesake website and works online and offline to help women and men feel more empowered in the areas of deep connection, intimacy, and loving sex at all stages of life. Here, Asara is discussing the politics of intimacy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Amber. Okay, so how does one end up being a sex therapist? Great question. Uh, This is not a path that I really had imagined myself doing. It wasn't one of the one of the options that my teachers or careers counselors gave me in school. That's for sure. And it was really, I guess, a kind of series of coincidences and me kind of following my interests that led me here. So um, nearly 15 years ago, I was at a weekend-long music festival and kind of stumbled across a tantra yoga workshop. And I'm not sure if I really knew what tantra was. I think I had an idea that it had something to do with sex and something to do with yoga or spirituality, but I'm not sure I could have said much more than that. Thankfully for me, I decided to go along anyway, and it was a workshop that completely changed my life. I loved tantra. I loved what it was teaching, and I wanted to learn more. So after kind of going from one class to the next for a couple of years, I ended up teaching. And that is really what what started my path down this track. So did you have a different career at the time when you were sort of studying studying the Tantra? Is it kind of like, oh, I was working, you know, in accountancy or something completely different? What were you doing career-wise? Yeah, so I was actually just finishing my undergrad degree in social science environment when I first discovered Tantra. And I'd already had suspicions that perhaps, you know, environmental advocacy or policy making wasn't quite for me, but I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, And so actually not long after I had started teaching Tantra, a psychologist saw me teach and asked if I would work with his male clients experiencing sexual dysfunction to teach them the really practical things that I knew through Tantra. And that really opened my eyes. You know, Tantra had impacted my own life, but working with those men with dysfunction and teaching them those practical tools from Tantra just completely opened my eyes into how much sex, intimacy, and relationships can impact our whole lives. And I realized that it was an incredible way 
to help people, to to help people change their lives, to help them live happier and more fulfilled lives. And, and that's really what led me to do a whole lot more study to really make that possible. So from this study, and it's obviously formed, you know, the basis of your practice today, you've also touched on areas in, in your career such as mindfulness, you do coaching, yeah. communication. How does that whole mix of, I guess, that practical, physical stuff and the head stuff create more intimacy? Yeah, so for me, they they are so connected. And I really believe that, you know, great relationships and incredible sex start with us and what's going on within us really makes a difference as to the kind of relationships that we attract, how we show up in our relationships, and how much we can really enjoy sex as well. So for me, that mindfulness um, and those practical lessons from Tantra are such a foundation for the more kind of Western or evidence-based practice that, that I incorporate as well, helping people feel calm and settled and happy within themselves helps their relationships. And that mixture of self-awareness and practical tools, I think is so, uh, it can just be be so rich and so transformative for a relationship. So how do you define true intimacy and how can couples create that magic once that initial in lust phase wears off? I think they say around 18 months into the relationship, you know, the stage where you can't keep your hands off each other dissipates and real life comes into play. So how do we actually create that and stepping back from that, what is the intimacy piece that's so important? Yeah, it's a great question because a lot of people can kind of assume that when that phase is over, you know, that's that's it for their relationship or they can kind of get confused and wonder if they're still in love with each other or also just kind of settle into a relationship that they kind of feel isn't really working but they just kind of write it off as, oh, we're past that honeymoon period. And as you said, that honeymoon period, you know, it tends to last about 18 months to three years but it's different for everyone. So for me, that true intimacy is really more about our vulnerability and our emotional connection. I think creating great relationships do require us to be vulnerable and to share our emotions in a way that, you know, that we otherwise might not. So relationships also take effort. You know, when we're in the honeymoon period, we're so excited to spend time with each other and there's so much passion and desire going on. But as you said, then we're kind of left with life and we've got, you know, work and sometimes children and and all these obligations that we need to take care of. We can lose that, that kind of spark that we have together. We know that couples can actually maintain uh, a pretty high level of that if they if they make an effort in their relationship and if they make that kind of desire and sexual connection a priority. Absolutely. Do you think that people might be embarrassed to say they feel disconnected from their partner or themselves and therefore they suffer in silence? And I guess from a gender point of view, is it usually more women that you see coming forward with this or is it both men and women? Yeah, look, it's a great question. I think, you know, people definitely can feel embarrassed, ashamed, like there's something wrong with them uh, when they're having, you know, challenges in, you know, whether it be with sex or relationships. They're both areas that we just don't talk about. Uh, And there's so much about them that that we don't know. We're just kind of left to figure it out on our own and, and end up feeling bad about ourselves when we're not getting it perfect. We can kind of have this idea that everyone else has a perfect relationship 
relationship and sex life because we don't get to see, you know, behind the closed doors. We don't get to see under the covers, so to speak. And when we're experiencing challenges, we can feel like, you know, we're the only ones in the world having problems. And and that just isn't the case. I think it's much more common for couples to struggle with sex, with intimacy, with their relationship than we're usually aware of. I certainly see a mixture of men and women struggling with this and a mixture of men and women coming forward for for counselling as well. I think there's probably a way that it's more acceptable for women to come forward and ask for help. I still think in our society, men kind of have it much tougher. I think there's a lot more stigma for men to, you know, to to come forward for therapy, particularly with sexual challenges, but also with relationship challenges and 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 ask for help. So how do you know if you're creating a relationship based on intimacy versus just sexual attraction? Like there must be a difference. Yeah, look, it's a good question because I think a lot of the time there can be both and that actually it's okay for for both of those factors to be present. I think one of the things that yeah, for me and the research kind of back this up is really helps define a relationship early on is our willingness to have those difficult conversations. So our willingness to to really voice our needs, our willingness to be emotionally vulnerable and to talk about our our wants and goals for long-term relationships. So even though they can be you know, kind of challenging conversations to have and we can wonder, is it the right time to start talking about what we want and what we want going forward? The research shows that actually couples who are willing to have those conversations rather than just kind of float along and see how things go or get really swept up in the passion of it all actually um, actually do better. So that willingness to have those those conversations, I think, is is what can really show us that we're creating that intimacy and the foundation for a really strong long-term relationship. And I guess the intimacy would spill into other areas, not just in the bedroom, but, you know, I guess um, intimacy about how you're feeling about other circumstances in your life, right? like your career or money issues or worries with your health and and other yeah. flow-on benefits, I guess, is what I'm getting to um, when you're having this kind of coaching work with you. Exactly. So for a lot of couples that work with me, you know, they're having conversations that they've never had before because I'm, you know, I'm directing them there in a in a pretty gentle way, I like to think. But you're right, conversations about money, uh, conversations and what is unsaid about how they discipline or raise children together, conversations about their sex life, which a lot of couples have never had before. And I think then once we've had those really difficult conversations, the feedback that I get from a lot of couples I work with is it makes the other conversations seem a whole lot easier. Absolutely. (laughs) No, I can totally imagine that. There's that benefit as well, I guess, for their whole life experience. And it's funny how we can talk about really intimate things in other areas, but sex is one of those things as adults that it almost feels like as you get older, like it's, it reminds me of, you know, years ago, like thinking the idea of thinking of your parents having sex or something like that when you're a teenager, it's just excruciating. And I think maybe that carries on into our own adult lives where we have kids and we are a mum now and a dad and, you know, we don't talk about it, but it sounds like that's at our own detriment to not do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for most of us, we've never actually been taught 
to have these conversations about sex. So we don't have the language for it. We don't have the framework. And you're right, that that kind of shame uh, and, and inhibition gets passed down. So we don't see our parents having an o- open conversation. They don't have an open conversation with us. We kind of lack framework and knowledge and the how to do it. And then we don't have a conversation with our partner about it. And then that gets passed on to our children as well. So I, I think so much of, of what I do is, is really helping couples have these kinds of conversations because it makes such a difference. It's amazing that we can, you know, spend a whole relationship with someone. We might be with them for 10 years. We might have sex with them, but we're not actually having a conversation about it. And it just makes such a difference to be able to talk about it. So have you taken this expertise and this interest you have and your talent, obviously, into a business? I mean, how do you monetize what you do, if you like? Yeah, look, it's a good question. For me, it happened really slowly. I think for a lot of people that, you know, that end up becoming therapists or go into the helping profession, we can be so focused on learning the skills uh, and getting the qualifications. And, you know, and we're not taught the business side of things. So for me, that was really something that that I've I had to learn and that I'm still really, really learning. I think for me, what what makes a difference is that I'm I'm absolutely passionate about sharing this work. The the reward that comes from seeing couples reconnect, have conversations about sex that they never have, reignite their sex life, have an orgasm for the first time, that is what kind of makes it really worth it for me and what drives me to keep going and uh, and keep sharing. And as we're just talking about, even starting these conversations, seeing someone out there who's who's able to have an open conversation about this gives other people permission. And so I love providing that kind of education that I know a lot of other people didn't have. So I, my work still genuinely excites me and I feel so honored to work with people in this way. Working out the business framework has, has been its own journey, but I think it's that passion that really keeps me going in this area. You are very prolific on social media. So how much of a tool has that been in terms of, I guess, raising awareness about who you are and what you do, but also generating clients? Yeah, social media has been uh, amazing for me, um, particularly Facebook, although um, I was a bit late to the Instagram party, um, but I've kind of discovered it this year and, you know, and, and love kind of getting involved in the conversations there. Um, and, you know, and I'm also finding it really great for my business. Um, Facebook groups have been fantastic for me as well. It's often women who are my first point of call, even if they're they're coming as a couple. It's often the women who are kind of doing the research and reaching out. And, you know, a lot of people just don't know that there is such a thing as a sex therapist out there or that, you know, they can go and talk to someone about their relationship. So when they see me pop up in Facebook groups, having a conversation about it, they suddenly realize that that help's available. So actually a lot of my clients uh, come from Facebook, come from Facebook groups or from a recommendation through there as well. And how do you actually work with your clients? So is it a step-by-step process? And obviously we don't expect you to disclose any, disclose any of your IP or anything, but how do you actually get 
people on board? Is it a, is it kind of saying let's do a discovery session and see if we're, we're a good match in terms of you being a therapist and them liking you and you being able to help them? And then, you know, commit to six months, 12 months. I mean, give us a sense of what you're really trying to do when you when you work with people. Yeah, so this is something that has certainly changed for me over time, running my business. Um, and, you know, it's about also finding what, what I know is going to be most effective um, for the clients as well as really work um, for me in, in a business sense as well. So I now see all my clients online which uh, I find works really well. When they first contact me, um, there's an initial 20-minute consult, which I've now started charging for. So it's, you know, it's, it's a really low cost of, of $33 where we have a phone consultation where I can find out more about what's going on for them. They can ask me questions uh, about my work and talk about their goals and needs. So essentially, we, we can make sure we're a really good fit. From there, we go into a, what do I call it, like a laser coaching session. It's really like a full assessment session where I want to make sure I've got the full picture of what's going on. I can give my clients really practical tools to get them started. But then we also make a detailed plan going forward. You know, it is really important that, that a, someone feels comfortable with their therapist and that we're the right fit. Uh, before going ahead. So those two initial sessions uh, really allow allow us to to do that. And from there, uh, my clients work with me in actually either three-month or six-month programs where they have fortnightly sessions for now because, you know, when we're working with sex and relationship challenges, it's obviously more than one session. So it's really about them making a commitment to work on it for a period of time. Do they get sex homework? I know that's a really intimate question. They get- <laughs> The best homework they have ever had in their lives. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I wouldn't imagine you could do this without the practical element, but I suppose I'd be curious to sort of know, has there been anyone that you maybe felt like, you know, the relationship for them wasn't able to be saved? Like the intimacy piece was never able to be created and I guess for them they would then have to make tough decisions about whether they stay together or not. So that's really never my call to make. And I've certainly thought that about couples who actually ended up staying together and having the happiest relationships I had ever seen. So I often kind of set my judgment aside. What I know is the couples that really work on it and, you know, haven't kind of left it too long, those couples who are really committed they make the change. It's actually really rare uh, for me to to work with couples where where just too much has happened and it can't be salvaged, or actually one of them has has kind of already made the decision to leave the relationship. When I'm working with couples, we also work really step by step. So it's about bringing back their, you know, their basic connection first. Just you know, having them spend a little bit of time together on a daily basis and then that deeper emotional connection and communication so we're getting rid of tension and from there we have a much more solid foundation to build a really passionate loving sex life on. So who have been your mentors and and people that have guided you in this journey of your business and, and career and what have they taught you about life? 
That's a big question. I feel like I have had and and still have so many teachers, mentors, um, and peers. You know, my my supervisor, all therapists and um, psychotherapists should have a, a supervisor that we see on a regular basis to kind of help us continue our learning and um, be kind of an extra set of eyes on our practice. My supervisor has been um, a, an incredible teacher for me. Um, just the way that she shares her insights and has incredible compassion and drive for understanding people's stories. You know, I think we can hear that once we understand someone's story or where they're coming from, then their current behavior actually makes sense. And that's something that she really, really stands by is understanding where's that behavior coming from, what's driving this person at the moment and can really sit with it with compassion rather than criticism or judging their behavior. And that's really part of how I strive to work with my clients as well. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with with anyone. I just think sometimes we're, we're not even sure what's driving us and that's really a big part of, of what I want to help my, my clients discover. You know, but having said that, my Tantra teacher, my Zen teacher, and people like Tony Robbins um, have really impacted me as well. Um, and online business mentors like Marie Folio uh, and Ramit Sethi have been really, really helpful for me in uh, how I go out and share my message and, and share my work with people. So what would be your last advice for people who might be struggling with this topic and want to get involved in their own journey of healing, perhaps on the politics of intimacy? So firstly, you know, we do all struggle in these areas at, at some point in our life. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with reaching out and getting help. We get help in so many other areas of our lives. You know, we have personal trainers, we have financial advisors, seeing someone to get some extra support with this area of our lives really should be totally acceptable as well, because there's so much benefit to it. And I think also to kind of recognize that those incredible relationships and loving sex really do start with ourselves. So it's not about trying to get someone else to change or trying to attract the right kind of person. That will all come when we really work on ourselves, when we're willing to look at ourselves and to do things differently ourselves. So it can all start with you and you have incredible power to make change. That's great advice. Well, you've been a very generous and warm and encouraging guest today. And if you do want to contact Asaya McKimmy, we will have some details of her website on our show notes. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespokecoms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.